And as soon as it happened, I knew like, oh man, you've done damage. And I just go like, no, why, why, why me? You know, like, and I'm sort of like, who am I talking to here? Listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. And John, hey, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. How are you? I'm all right. And 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 you know, I um, this is a strange week in my life. What's going on? Um, so, so many things are going on that I should tell all of you about. Um, I, I think a lot of people know I bought this house. And for the last two weeks, my nephews and I, mainly my nephews and me like cheering, have been demoing it. And the demolition is done. The destruction is over. Yeah. The, so the, the places, the walls have been taken out. Like just all, it's like, it's ready to go for this contractor friend of ours who's going to come in and build the space back again. Like it needs everything. It needs new electricity, new plumbing, new heating and, and, and all that stuff. And, and a new kitchen. It it has no bathrooms. Like it's a shell, but it's a cool space. And ideally it's going to be a cool community building space. I mean, that is kind of why we bought it. Um, is it was a house that you could build one of those like big dining rooms that leads right into the kitchen. And, uh, it's funny when I was out in Seattle uh, speaking at that um, church that sort of like like used to be a mega used to be an evangelical mega church and now it's sort of feeling like a humanist regular church. Yeah, uh, East East Lake. East Lake. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I blanked on that name, um, but when I was out at East Lake, I stayed I, or I, I hung out at Ryan Meeks's house, the pastor. And he had this same setup where he had just like had this huge room. And while I was there, people were coming and going and it just felt like this common room that everybody felt safe and warm in. And uh, I like it. And, and that's kind of what Marty and I are, are, are gunning for here. I love that. A, and a little bit yeah. more like open plan and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It'll be pretty open. I mean, we took out all the walls and um, yeah, and we, it's funny, like we bought this huge table that's sitting in the back room at Pier 1 right now. Um, cause it was on sale and they said that we could leave it there until we were ready for it, but it's like a nine foot long table. Wow. Um, yeah. So it should, it should be a good, it should be a really good place. And it's in this neighborhood, this kind of blue collar neighborhood that while many neighborhoods in Cincinnati feel like they're gentrifying right now, including even my old neighborhood, which was such a rough place when I lived there and is quickly changing around, um, this neighborhood feels like it's going to stay blue collar and it's going to be interesting because it's, it's primarily a black neighborhood and Marty's sort of going like the nice people we're meeting, all these neighbors are being so great and they're coming over and saying hi and stuff. She's like, I just feel like they're not going to want to be part of a humanist fellowship. She's like, they Mm. feel like church folk to me. (laughs) Uh, And that may be true, but like, I, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if we're able to pull 
a lot of people from this neighborhood into our little fellowship. And that would really be a good thing because I, I would much, I would really like for our fellowship to have a more of a local vibe to it. Like not that, not that we would kick to the curb, all these people that are coming from farther out in the city, but, but that ideally there would be like this neighborhood would be like, well, that's really the neighborhood. And you know, if, if, if my lease comes up, I might move into the neighborhood where everybody else lives and that, you know, you sort of hope you can create some kind of center of gravity. Right. Right. Yeah. And is this something that you think uh, could eventually be kind of a model for people to look at, or are you not even thinking that far? You're just like saying, Hey, this is what we're going to do now. I know it sounds funny, but like I, I kind of almost don't believe in models mm. um, for this sort of thing is that communities are like rock and roll bands or like any, you know, that they sort of reflect the personalities of the people that are in them and that started them and they shift and morph. And, and so if you see a really great, like I loved Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and you say like, so if you were going to start a band, would you play music? Like, no, no, no. Like what I loved was is that those guys really were friends with each other and they worked out the kind of music they did. And like, if you want to be a band like the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, don't try to be a band like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Try to be a band that totally reflects you the way Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers totally reflected those guys. Got it. And so what, you know, so, so I mean, I mean, I think there are some general rules that, um, are going to apply. It's, it's funny. Like I'm very excited about doing these podcasts with my friend Charles about the kind of principles of community building. Mm-hmm. And, and he's done a great job of sort of studying communities all over the place and sort of going, like, this is just, these principles work everywhere in every setting, but they're not going to end up looking the same. Um, but one principle I do know that is real is that when in all, in, in all relationships, proximity makes a huge difference. Um, and that there's Physical a reason proximity. Yeah. There's a reason why people tend to make their best friends in college. And it's like, well, cause we were eating together and living within, you know, a, a half mile of each other for four years. And you go like, yeah, that's kind of a hot house setting for connection. That is and, true. And so, it, it, yeah, and, I don't think that's the only way connection gets made, but I think it's a really primary way that it gets made. Yeah. And I think it's the only way a certain kind of connection gets made. Like there are other connections that can be really valuable and meaningful, but there is something that happens to human beings when they live together, live together. And when, yeah, when, yeah. when, when they eat the same food and they, they breathe the same air. And when it rains, it's raining on all of them at the same time. There's, there's, and there's something that happens in that setting um, that sort of has been happening to human beings for tens of thousands of years they all get wet yeah yeah <laughs> that that, yeah. that that's the thing um and so and so i, I really do i mean it, it it would be hard to underestimate my excitement about this neighborhood and having a home within it and you know while we were renovating the next door neighbor came over and he started chatting and i thought like i'm gonna invite this guy to the to the dinner that we have like he's gonna love it he's a lonely guy i think he's gonna really fit in he he's he's so warm and you know i just thought like yeah this is gonna happen this is gonna that's be cool yeah. now are you talking when you say blue collar are these guys like uh plumbers builders like what do they do well you know i haven't figured out that yet but i like you can tell that people are employed mm-hmm and you can tell they're not like me and, and probably there are some people that are doing better, but like 
in general, like you, you see the cars and you see the number of people coming in and out of any given house and you're like, yeah, this, you know, this isn't, this is a working class neighborhood. This isn't, right. this isn't wealth. Yeah. Um, and, and, and what's funny is too, is that the house is right across the street from an elementary school. Um, and so while I was in there working one day, you know, in between hammer blows, you stop and you just hear that, that, that sound of little children in the playground running around. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit like it's it's like one of my favorite kinds of white noise, you know. Like there's the sound of the ocean and the beach, you know. That when you're, if you have one of those white noise machines, you can turn on the beach, right, right. And then yeah. there's the one of the crickets. Um, and I don't know if they have one of children playing in a schoolyard, but if they don't, they should because that's a really good sound. That is actually a good sound. You're right. Yeah, it's kind of nice. So anyway, the, the house stuff is going on, and and, and that's that's exciting. Well, I'm um, glad. Yeah, 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 it's good. And then Miranda was back. My daughter was back um, she, from California visiting us this weekend. And uh, and that's just, you know, that's just a joy for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so and, you know, and, 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 uh, and then there's all this mess in the world that, you know, and, and all these people that are, um, that are going through so many different things. And, you know, today, like today was a day, one, today was one of my counseling days where I have like maybe six people on a day like today that I'll talk to for, you know, roughly an hour at a time about all kinds of different stuff that's going on in their lives. You wow. know, just sort of like my coaching clients, if you will. Yeah. Well, no, I'm thinking that like, that's a day, you know, when you do six, six hours of of coaching and, and counseling, like that's a day. Yeah. And I think, I, you know, I, I think like what's funny is, is that I'm much more of a professional friend than I am a counselor. Like I'm not presuming to be a therapist. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have that training and that's not what I do. I'm much more like a pastoral caregiver yeah. or, or a friend. And so it really, if you're an extrovert like I am and you draw energy from people and you're in these good conversations with good people, um, it's pretty energizing. I mean, you, you know, you're tired at the end of it too, but like a day like today, I'm really aware of how much happens in any single human life. There's a lot going, you know, every, you know, every person you meet, I mean, it's, I, I think there's some poem somewhere that says, you know, we should be gentle with each other because each of us is carrying, you know, every, every person you meet is carrying it you know, a huge burden somewhere, whether you see it or not. And, um, in my life on a day like today, I'm very aware that there's a lot going on in it, you know, and everybody really is walking around. Right. And it's weird. It's kind of part of the social contract that we don't delve too deeply. Right. Like when you see someone out and about, you go, Hey, how you doing? And they're like, I'm good. You know, if, if he actually replied with what was really going on in his life, you know, it would be a weird breach of etiquette in a way but because you don't i mean that's not what you're saying when you say how are you but on but for you you're getting deep with people and you're seeing what's really going on yeah and most of the time i think you're right about the etiquette thing what's interesting is is that I, i was talking with um i was talking with one of the leaders of my group at usc um one of the one of the students who's who kind of really really makes that group go and we were talking about, you know, going to lunch with, with people in the way that community builders go to lunch. And, you know, 
where you sit down with someone and you say like, hey, tell me your story and you really mean it. Or where you say mm-hmm. like, how are you doing? And you're serious about it. And I think, you know, we can't do it all the time with everyone. But, they're but really we can all, do it. Yeah, that it's one of the things that I think we ought to do more with, with one another is sit down and go like, hey, how you doing? No, no. And, and, and when I say that, like, I've got an hour. I'm really interested. How's it going? Agreed. I, 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 feel I like think if, it would be really nice if this happened more. I feel like if you just, like, you know, people say like, oh, but you're skilled and you're trained and all that stuff. And, you know, you have all this experience. And, and there's truth to that. But I swear to you, I, I really think that if you just stopped it, how are you doing? And it's like, no, no, wait. Like, I've got a half an hour and I'm really interested. How are you doing? I think that would be enough to change the yeah. tone of the conversation. Yeah, that would be nice. Even if it didn't last an hour, even if it was right. shorter but still deep. I mean, that's my thing. I hate small talk, man. Like, I can't I can't do the, like, oh, the weather's nice, you know. But I can't do that stuff. Like, I just, I really recoil from it. But if I can have, like, two minutes of depth with someone, like, just something genuine, I love that. Yeah. You know, so I, like... I can do small talk. You're good at small talk. I will, I like, and 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 like, and there are settings and times when I really enjoy it. Where I recall, for some reason, when you said that, it came up in my mind. Uh, we were at a grocery store one time in L.A., and I think we were getting something for dinner, you and I, mm-hmm. and we were about to take it back to your house to cook it up and and have dinner, because I think I was staying with you for a night, and. They were doing those Monopoly things. Yeah, right, right. And you're like, hey, uh, I'll take the Monopoly cards, but not for me. And you like walked around to the next checkout and you're like, hey, do you play the Monopoly game? And you gave it to them. And it was just that little moment of interaction that was like, I would never, I thought to myself, like, I would never take the time to do that. But that was really nice. Like it was, it was nice for the person. And it was a nice little like human moment in the middle of their day. Cause I think it was a weekday and they were just probably done from work and stuff like that. And I, th- I kind of liked it. Yeah, I, it, it's funny because I draw a lot of energy from just those little interactions um, and, and just find that, you know, even, like the, the other day I, I pulled up at, and, and this sounds really Pollyannish, but I pulled up at a light and and, and and especially in a city like Cincinnati where it's it's very black and white city, you'll pull up at a white light and somebody will pull up next to you and you'll look to the right and it'll be like three black dudes or it'll be like mm-hmm. an older black woman and there's a sense in which if you look too long, you might get a hostile look back. Just like, what are you looking at? And what, what I've learned is, is that if I look and then the person like looks at me and I just nod, sort of smile like, hey, like, yeah, I was looking until you looked because I just wanted to greet you. The person will oftentimes broad, broad smile and they'll lean back and they'll like nod back and, <laughs> and you turn and you go like, oh, what's the point? And I go like, Strangely enough, there's something good that happens in that moment. Like, and I go like, you know, that's. And no, the, I agree. It makes what, everything a little ple- more pleasant. And and if you study evolutionary history, one of the most amazing things about human civilization is, like, it is a triumph of civilization that when we see somebody who is not of our tribe and we do not know, like, we should attack each other. Like, hunter gatherer tribes. You see a stranger, you run or you attack. 
like there's just this instinctual thing and and our civilization has created all these kind of signals and rules that enable us to live in larger societies with people that we don't know but that we trust are not going to attack us because there's a lot of social pressure and there's rules and there would be consequences and so it is kind of a privilege of civilization to see a stranger and smile at them and you know it's it's like something that you can thank your your ancestors for and say wow we've come a long way baby did you did you see what i did just there <laughs> um and so yeah so i, I mean that's I, cool you know so anyway i i don't want to wax eloquent on the, on on on, on, <laughs> on casual interactions but i don't want to wax eloquent but i can't help it man yeah yeah there you go <laughs> so so anyway this is uh I'm trying to think if there's anything else, like if there's any business that we I have to attend to as I start this podcast, because sometimes, you know, I'm like, well, be sure to listen to this or check that out, or right. I'm speaking here. And, uh, and I really liked uh, last week's episode, the Women Who Explore episode. We have uh, more men than women as guests on the podcast. And so it's really nice to, it was really nice to hear, you know, uh, someone who was representing not only herself as a woman, but like a lot of women yeah, and yeah, yeah. giving a really sort of feminine perspective. It was really cool. Did now, now what's funny is like, I get feedback through emails. You get it other ways. Like, did we get, did, did, did the podcast get, do we get any feedback yet on that show? Yeah, and the feedback. I mean, I can pull it up and see if I can. Because I mean, I tell, heard tell you anything specific. I, I did get a note from one person who said I listened to that show and I really liked it, um, mm-hmm. but they didn't go into any great depth. Um, and and a part of me, I was worried throughout through that out that whole show that it you, you know like when these guys go in the Jimmy Kimmel show and you know they're just there to to, to pitch their movie. <laughs> and right. they, they pretend they're having a conversation, but it's really about like, so your movies come out. What's it about? And let me play a clip. And I was really <laughs> worried that it would come off like I just want to, sh- you know, I want I just want to tout this women who explore thing. And, 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 and really, for me, it was much more just the excitement. I mean, the most exciting moment in that podcast for me was just when that woman started talking about how she and her sister had no relationship and then they found mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, you had like, it was almost like you had me at hello. Like that's such an important story for me. Yeah. Um, that I, I was just, you know, from then on I was, I was, I was enraptured, but, but I didn't want, I was worried that it sounded too much like a pitch. Yeah. I mean, I guess we can't worry too much about that because everybody that we have on is, has got some project or something that they're doing and that they would really like more people to pay attention to. And so, um, you know, something's either good as a topic or it's not. And I think that should be the, the criteria. This guy says, uh, I enjoyed this one. It made me a little jealous that I couldn't get in on the fun because I'm not a woman. <laughs> and I think that goes to what we were saying yeah. about this. This may not work if it was for men. Yeah. And and, and, and honestly, like, I, I, I think that's a healthy experience for men to have is to sometimes actually envy a woman because it's you know honestly it's not an it's not an experience that we have very often most of us there's yeah. not many times where i go like wow i would be so much better off if i was a woman or you know boy in this situation being a woman would be such an advantage right yeah yeah all right so so Good do stuff. you so, so okay so like what do you got for me Okay, so uh, we'll do a question here about, uh, this is actually from someone who was at the Humanist Hub when you were there speaking. I don't know when that was. Was it months ago? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Um, Okay. Now, because- The Humanist Hub is at Harvard, isn't it? It is at Harvard. Okay. Yeah. 
So you're speaking at Harvard, and this lady uh, was there, and she says, I really enjoyed your talk at the Humanist Hub. Um, she says, I resonated with a lot of what you were saying. When you were talking with some of us after your talk, my friend Dan asked you about crying out to God, and you talked about how sometimes you still do cry out, though not to God, and the psychology behind why it's helpful. So I guess uh, my summary of her question is this. Why do secular people cry out, even though we know there's probably nobody listening? Um, do you think there's actually something useful about this, or, or, is, or is there something we should do instead of crying out? Yeah, you know, I remember that woman's friend. And it was it was a really interesting question because, I, I mean, I think a lot of us have had this experience where, like, you know, recently I fell off my bicycle again. And this time I didn't mess <laughs> up my head. This time I, I I really hurt my wrist. And, like, I'm, I'm still wearing one of those braces. And I'm not sure. I was sure going to ask you how it was. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's broken or sprained. It's been, especially with the house demo, it's been a huge, hairy, bad deal. But like what happened was the chain fell off the bike. I lost balance. I mean, I wasn't even going any speed. I was just getting started. The chain fell off and I just went straight over and foolishly put my hands out in front of me. Mm. And as soon as it happened, I knew like, oh man, you've done damage. And I just go like, no, why, why, why me? You know, like, and I'm sort of like, who am I talking to here? <laughs> you know, yeah. who, who, who am I crying out for? Like, this isn't fair. Why, like, like why me is almost like, why are you doing this to me? Like, am I talking to the universe? Am I talking to the God I don't believe in? Like, who am I talking to? And I think, you know, what I ended up saying to this guy, because I've had that experience many times, is that crying out, is the most natural thing in the world for human beings to do. I mean, if you think about it, when you were born, like you're a little baby, the first thing you learn is, you know, you're laying there and you're hungry or you're wet or you're uncomfortable and you instinctively cry out. Like it's not, there's not even a thought. You don't think like, I'll cry out. You just do. So at first, it's kind of the only agency you have, right? It's the only thing you can actually do. And I wonder if you even know it's agency at that point. You no, just you, right. you, you, you just like do it. But what happens is you begin to notice a relationship. I cry out, and what happens? Ideally, somebody comes, and they address your need. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing you learn as a human being is, is that this crying out thing works. That there, that there are forces in the universe that care about what happened to you. And that if you make your, if, 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 you, if you cry out, if you make your pain known, your pain will be addressed. And so on, like on some level, that instinct to, to, to cry out for help makes all the sense in the world. Um, and, and, and I think even when you become an adult and there's nobody waiting around the corner with a baby monitor... I, I think that the same thing holds true, even when we were talking about like you're walking down the street and the question is, if you say, if, if your friend says, how are you doing? And you say, I'm horrible. I'm in all sorts of pain. My house just burned down. The question is, is it more or less likely that somebody will address your need? And the answer, of course, is it's more likely. Mm -hmm. So crying out it's just an instinctual thing that we learn. It's just, it's just, it's just kind of a, a fundamental human quality, and um, and 
and it's effective in many cases. So, so, so I think it's just helpful to recognize that it, you know, because some people go like, if I cry out, does that mean that secretly deep down underneath it all, I do believe in a supernatural force that is ruling the universe? And, and, I, and I don't think it does, you know, any more than like smashing, you know, you smash your thumb with a hammer and you cry out. And, and, and I don't think it means that you think like there's meaning and purpose behind this pain. And, and if I cry out, I will damn the one who caused it. It's, I, no. it's just, I think it's just there. But I mean, is there a sense in which uh, maybe maybe it's not directed at anything specific, but we do, I mean, we are, we are pattern-seeking animals, right? And, we, and we're meaning-seeking animals. And so if we do have like a string of bad luck, say, uh, I think it could be very natural to want to to want to ascribe that to something beyond naturalism, right? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, yeah, we, we, I mean, we, we survived as a species by finding meaning where it is, and by finding meaning where it where isn't. it isn't. Yeah, um, and and so yeah, we look, we we create stories where there are none, and uh, and and I think that maybe crying out as a part of creating a story like there's some force out there like basic animism like my car hates me um you know <laughs> the, the 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 gods of wiffle ball are against me um you know whatever whatever's going on i i think it is kind of it is a primitive form of animism that that sort of gives a personality to inanimate objects Right, right, and, and, and just situations that are, that have no agent, um, and so you know, and, and and I think like recognizing that that like that's deep in our nature. I think the other thing it should do is, is it should make us a little bit more understanding. Um, sometimes when I'm around hardcore atheist types, they act as though believing in God is ridiculous or stupid, or how could somebody do that? And really what I was thinking is like, it, it's a triumph of science and education and culture that anybody is able not to believe in God. You know, in every culture, random shit is happening all around us and people like, they come up with stories to make sense of it because otherwise they would go crazy. And so believing in God, believing that there are forces at work, it's, it's, it, that's natural. Right. Um, and so when you have a, a natural moment where you sort of seek to, you know, find meaning where there is none. You just go like, oh yeah, that's my humanity kicking in. That's, that's, that's like, that's what we do. That's what we humans do. And, and, and you think like, but it, but it's an error. And I go like, yeah, we are prone to error. <laughs> you know, like we have a thousand cognitive biases. And one of those cognitive biases is like, I guess like, I don't know what you would call it. Like, meaning um but i know. suppose someone might say like shouldn't we be fighting our cognitive biases or, or like trying to mitigate them um and so i guess that this is a question for you uh is there something to trusting the evolutionary wisdom of our bodies and to what extent should we fight impulses that arise out of our nature well that's a, you know that's interesting what do you think? I mean, like, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm it's wasted conflicted. energy. You, you think it's wasted energy that you should fight it? I, you know, I, I, I'm not. You know, I'm not Johnny Mindfulness. Um, but like, I did use that Headspace app for three weeks, 
Um, and, <laughs> Is that how long it lasted? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not good. And I'll, I'll try again. I'll keep trying. Don't do it. Okay. <laughs> so there's, a, there's my one friend, Dave, out there who's, who's, who's signed me up for 10% Happier. And he's, he's always like, are you using it? Are you using it? And I'm always like, you know, I'll use it like once so that I can just write back to him and say, yes, I'm using it. I'm trying. And I know he's listening. He's going to hate me. But, um, but you know I'm not good at that, at, at keeping that discipline. Um, mm-hmm. But the one thing I really learned from that was that the thoughts that occur to us are not us. Um, they're thoughts and, and they come unbidden. And, and that mindfulness in some ways is about observing those thoughts without giving them too much power. Right. And sort of, sort of Acknowledging like a, them, saying, okay, I'm going to release that thought now. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, like I see, I think uh, Sam Harris said it's kind of like the clouds in the sky. You know, you acknowledge their existence, but then they pass. Yeah. And, and, and you, you don't, you don't reproach yourself for any thought that comes into your head. Like you're responsible for what you do with it, but you're not responsible for it showing up in the first place. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's what I would say is that when you feel that impulse, when, you know, when you have, you know, I, I have people who tell me like they, they sort of have echoes, they, they hear the voice of a God they no longer believe in, or they, there are moments where they go this, maybe it's true. You know, gosh, this really seems like maybe maybe the reason this is going bad is because I've turned my back on God. And if I would turn back, you know, I and then they go like, wait a second, shit went bad when I believed in God, and I and no, and I could never understand why He didn't answer my prayers. Like, wait a second, this is crazy. <laughs> and, and, and and so I think it's okay to like look at the thought and recognize like that thought came. I didn't bring that thought on; it just came. Yeah, and I don't have to stay with it, um, but I'm not going to beat myself up for it being there. Right, right. And I'm not going to I'm not going to go to any great effort to like repress it because what I find is is that when you repress a thought, that's when the danger comes. Like it, it, it's going to come out somewhere else. Like like that that's what, when you give a thought power when you say don't think that thought don't think that thought don't think that thought and and sometimes i meet people especially people who have left faith or lost faith who feel like now they are they they're being unfaithful to the god of atheism if they if they countenance a thought of a deist thought or an, a, a, you know a, a thought that, super, that that some there might be some overriding purpose you know, sort of written in the universe. And I'm like, listen, that's wasted energy. Um, you know, acknowledge that thought and, and, at, you know, and, and, and interrogate it, think about it, but don't, you know, you're going to think what you're going to think. Like you've got, you've got thousands of years of evolution. And, and some of you like have like 15 years of Sunday school. I'm like those, <laughs> those images, those archetypal stories, they're there. Like you're, you're wired you 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 have you have you have patterns of thinking that were that were laid down for you you're not gonna just because just because you've read a few sam harris books and christopher hitchens books doesn't mean that that wiring is going to go away yeah i've been thinking about this a lot lately because you know it's kind of difficult i think for people to sometimes people feel a little bit like a tennis ball uh you sort of being batted about from side to side and they don't really I think we should do a whole episode at some point on um, coming out to yourself or, you know, how do you exploring those thoughts and and where are you? Because I think we have a lot of people listening who are 
honestly kind of finding it hard to commit to theism or atheism and who are, who are a little concerned about where they're at. And, and it's a little distressing to them that they can't seem to settle on, you know, on a, on a, on a worldview. Yeah, and, and, you know, and I'm kind of a utilitarian. I mean, I know, I, like, I have friends who feel like religion is poison and, and believing in God is the worst thing that can happen and you should, and we should go out and try to disabuse everybody of that. I'm much more like, how's that way of thinking working for you and the people that I really want to draw into a more robust um, secular narrative are people that I feel like it's going to make them more loving and more kind and, and, and more responsible and happier and more joyful. And, you know, I mean, and and you say, but what if somebody's holding on to a false narrative? And I go like, you know what, if it's working for them, I'm prone to leave them alone until it runs off the, runs off the tracks as long as they're not hurting anybody. Right. Um, Right. Because, you know, you try to pull somebody out of a way of thinking they're prone to just dig deeper into it. And so I, I don't think it's good strategy, but I also don't think it's necessary. And, right. and, and, and in a sense, I guess what I'm saying is like, I don't think it's necessary to do that to yourself either. To go like, well, damn it, I said I was going to be an atheist and I need to stick to those guns. Um, you know, Sometimes it's okay just to be a seeker or just to be like figuring out what you think. Yeah, or, 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 to, or to admit like, I am an atheist in my most ra- ra- rational or reasonable moments. But um, when things get emotional, uh, I have a tendency to slip back into, um, cry, you know, l- like looking for somebody out there, and, and go like, "Well, that makes you makes you a, a a jerk or a loser or a person who doesn't like that." It just makes me a person who has instincts. Mm. And yeah. so I, again, like I think that crying out thing, I think, that, I think, I think that doesn't mean that you really believe that there's a God out there. It, you know, um, so you wrote, you mentioned repression in the, in this sense, but you know, I was 30 seconds away from mentioning repression in another way because crying out the other way that can be repressed is by culture. And like, I see people, um, especially men in America, uh, who are sort of chastised for the urge to cry out or called weak because of it and uh, sort of stifle, they, they have they have like a, a cultural responsibility to stifle that impulse and never to have a weak moment because they have to be strong. And I think that does so much damage. Do you know what I mean? I, I do. And, and it's funny, like I don't want to bring everything back to this whole community building or connecting thing, but I'll tell you what, you know, when people do that rugged individualist thing and then they wonder why they don't have close friends, you, you know, they say, but I help everybody, you know, like I'm always there to do things for people. And I, and yet I don't feel, you know, I don't feel connected. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. you know, what's funny is like people don't open up to you and feel connected to you when you do stuff for them. They open up to you and they feel connected to you when you're vulnerable in front of them, when you let them do stuff for you. And so crying out is not just good you know, it's not just natural. It's also kind of helpful in drawing people to you and making them feel comfortable around you. Because when you cry out, they go like, oh, I guess it's okay to cry out around here. Mm. I guess it's okay to be needy. Right. I guess it's okay to, I, I guess it's okay not to have all the answers. 
And I feel like there's a lot of pressure on people to act like they've got it together. And, and what's funny is like a person like me who people, I, I think a lot of people think of me as confident. And, and, and frankly, I think of myself as confident. And the thing is like, I feel, I, I sort of go like, yeah, I feel so good about myself that when I don't know something, I go like, hey, I don't understand that at all more easily than the average Joe. And you go like, why? And I go like, because well, I'm so cool. Like everybody <laughs> likes me. Like nobody's gonna like. It's not gonna bother anybody that I don't know how to run a computer or that I that I don't understand how to balance my checkbook or that I can't cook this thing or that I can't lift that because my wrist's broken. Like because people like me. There's a real sense in which, um, even if you're not as confident that people like you, if you say I can't lift this, people will like you more. <laughs> you show like, some vulnerability. Yeah, and 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 they think like. The fact that he's willing to ask me to do this means that, like, he thinks that I'm a good person. He's complimenting me by asking for my help. Uh, he thinks I'm competent or, or, or at least willing. And it means that he must have enough self-confidence that he thinks that if I do this for him, he has something to offer me in return. Like, he has some value. Um, or, you know, or, or, or he wouldn't ask. And so there's this sense in which all these messages get sent when somebody says, can you help me out with this? Mm-hmm. Um, that are, you know, and, and it's funny because when I first started, it's, all those messages get sent and they're better than the messages that get sent when somebody shows up and says, hey, you look like you could use a hand. Can I mow your lawn for you? Like there's a time to do that. There's a time to reach out to somebody. But when I first started moving into ghettos, I thought I was going to win friends by bringing furniture to people and I would hook people up with jobs and I would do all this stuff. And what I found out is that it's really good to help your friends, but helping people is a shitty way to make friends. Because if you start the relationship off where you're helping the other person, they're, they're never going to, they're always going to feel sort of on the back foot with you. Hmm. A, A much better way to make friends is to show up with, you know, a broken bicycle and say, Hey, I don't know how to fix this. You're, you're a much more approachable when you show up asking for, you know, asking for help, especially, you know, if you, you, if you don't show up demanding help, but if you show up sort of going like, Hey, I, I, you know, you just look like a person who might know about this. Sometimes somebody say like, I don't know about this, but like, I'm glad you, you know, I'm sorry I can't help you, but like, where, hey, when did you move in? (laughs) You know, and so, you know, I I remember, you know, once teaching somebody who was moving to a neighborhood, I said, like, they said, you can look up on the internet when trash day is. I said, yeah, don't do that. Go next door and ask. You know, don't, 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 don't find out anything you can ask about. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, I, I, and I hate to bring this back to gender again, but like, I do think women are much better at asking for help than men overall, uh, especially in America where there's sort of this uh, expectation of, of, you know, the, the, the masculine American man, like taking care of everything and not having any, any weakness. And uh, in actual fact, I think, in, I, I think in, in dating and stuff like that, women do like a man that is able to show a little vulnerability. Yeah, how old are you, John? I am 38. Yeah, I think if you met the 20-year-olds, I think you would find out that the women that are going off to college are being taught the same shit that the men used to get taught. And that is, you know, be self-sufficient, project strength. Mm. Like it's, 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 
it's it's on not, the campus they have to be strong yeah and like there's nothing wrong like don't get me wrong i'm not saying like everybody should walk around going help me i'm needy i don't know how to do anything no but you can but you can fall off the cliff on yeah. both sides yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really good to offer to you know to freely offer what you know about and what you're good at and freely ask for what you need um kind of easy come easy go um you know that that i think like you know, it's funny. I think it was Ben Franklin who said, "Neither a borrower nor a lender be." Mm-hmm. And and I'm sort of like, yeah, you know what? Actually, both a borrower and a lender be. <laughs> yeah. Um, if if you if you want to have if you want to have a happy life. So, um, I think we I think we got it. Uh, yeah. Now yeah, I'm probably, I'm, probably didn't only get it, but like kicked it into the ground. Um, <laughs> no, I mean there are there are various aspects of that because I think it does it does display vulnerability for people. And you know what? In a like, way, yeah. Honestly, I don't know if you have another question, but if you do, like, I think we should scotch it because, like, I think we're going to get in here under forty five minutes. I agree. And I am never seeming to land anything under forty five minutes any worse. More so, <laughs> um, I would love it if somebody like looked at, looked at this podcast and said, "Oh, I could actually listen to that one." Um, yeah, I think I think that would be a good a cool thing. Under 45 is good. All right. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, no. And, and you know, it's funny because um, when we did the first one of these episodes, one of, the, one of the comments I got from somebody was like, John agrees with you too much. Like, you, you guys need, <laughs> like, there needs to be some more tension in the show. And I, I don't know that we found that tension this time, but uh, I feel I that, agreed mostly. I, I agreed mostly. Yes. But I feel that the tension is coming, right? Like, like th- th- we're, get, we're going to come to blows at some point. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hey, Thanks, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Yeah. And uh, hey, um, patreon.com forward slash humanize me now has some really cool content. And I was just looking over it uh, before we got on and I see pictures that I've never seen before. Stuff like your nephews covered in dirt from that house and all kinds of other stuff. And do you want to, I was going to ask you, do you want to say anything on the podcast yet about our plans to do some live stuff and interactive stuff and that sort of thing, or no? <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I don't. And and no, I, I mean, I, I don't because I, I, I feel like I have a reputation in, in, in the humanize me community as a man who over promises and under delivers. And I want to become a man who under promises and over delivers. And so uh, all I will say is this, is that the Patreon Patreon thing, I'll say it right, the Patreon thing has been one of the most unexpectedly good things that's happened to me and this show. And I, I mean, it's funny, I was listening, I, I, I saw something where like Jordan Peterson was in the New York Times and he was saying like that he gets $80,000 a month from his Patreon account. And, uh, and I laughed, I thought like, I think that's funny um, um and, and and so uh, i'm trying to do the math on what that is per year it's uh, yeah 12 times eight like a million dollars yeah. or something. oh it's yeah. more than a million dollars yeah it's crazy um i saw that and i laughed um but you know because if somebody said to me what's your goal in patreon it would be like if if i had five thousand people that gave one dollar a month i would be thrilled That'd be really nice. I mean, yeah. Like I, what, 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 Pat, what Patreon does for me is it tells me it's a way of saying, I value this, like, th- like keep making podcasts and, and mm-hmm. try to get better guests and, 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 and work harder at this thing because I'm with you. 
and, and, um, and, right. and this conversation is helpful. And so, yeah. So for me, like that's, I, rather than promising like, you'll get these great benefits and we're doing all these cool things. I mean, we're going to do some cool things, but like what, what, what I mostly want to say to people is, um, that it means a lot to me whenever I see somebody signed up for that. It, it just, it just, it, it just thrills my heart and it makes me want to, um, dig deeper and, 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 and find better, better ideas to share. Awesome. All right. I'm out awesome. of here, man. Good stuff. Love you. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. For more information about the work of Bar Campolo, please visit barcampolo.org. Hey, you could be larger than life.